And you know, us sports moms have something to say. Yes, we do. We'll have a chance to interview across the board from athletes to the parents to the coaches to even the trainers. Yeah. And we're not afraid to share our journey. We're not afraid to tell other moms what we went through in order to raise up a student athlete. So I believe that it's inspirational. Yeah. We're able to tell our story, the good and the bad. Yeah. We can give back positive information. Absolutely. You know, we can empower them. Yeah. I think it's time for the mothers to be a voice. Yeah. Yes. That's it. Yeah. It's time for us to, to let you know what's going on. Yeah. Hello, hello, what's up? It's Karen at Can We Talk Sports, and I am here with my host, Kawashika. What's going on, guys? <laughs> Shannon might be proud of us. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> what is going on, girl? It is Sunday. Yes, let me tell you what I did. This. Yes, yes. Um, let me, <laughs> I'm sorry. Let me tell you what I did over the weekend, and I'm so proud of myself. You know, my first time with the girls, I actually tried snow crab. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I never tried snow crab. And so we went to Shell Shack. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It was amazing. Um, and, and it's crazy because my daughter, she was breaking them, and, you know, she opened up i'm looking at it like oh my god but i felt that fear because it's the legs i think i think the legs <laughs> right. how it look right? right and so i'm like oh my god i'm here because my thing was yesterday to try something new and i know the whole nation or the world already been trying the crabs you hear about it all the time but i was like no i ain't gonna do it look like it's gonna crawl off your table or something but <laughs> right. no so, yes, I tried snow crab and it was delicious, Miss Karen. It, really? it really was. Yes. I have never tried it. Oh, so I, I don't feel bad. Past, I can't get past the legs. Okay. I can't get past okay. trying to suck I the meat I out. The, yeah, I thought I was the only one. Like, seriously, like everybody, you see everybody talking about crabs and crabs and crabs. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> You are not the only but one. But me and my girls, yes, me and my girls had so much fun yesterday together and just watching them showing me, like, they was teaching me, yes, so I, yeah, I who was showed fun. them? Absolutely fun. Who showed them how to I guess them? when they went with, right, um, I'm thinking when they went out with their dad or their granny, you know, and I'm telling you, Kiara, my daughter, she just popping, breaking away, breaking away and just pulling it out. Here, mama. And but she what she told me though, she likes the breaking. She likes to break because she was just going, going, breaking, breaking, breaking. And then when you see the claws, so I'm like, what you do with this? Do we eat this? <laughs> She's like, no. <coughs> oh no. Yeah, so I, I mean in the poster. I did we did a little, you know, video and everything, and I'ma post it though. But yes, I'm I'm proud I gotta of myself. See that. fear. It was a fear. It was because when you pick up the legs, it's just something about legs on your plate. 
So I said, I came here. I got to do it. Hey, and I done it. <laughs> you did it. I did wow. it. Absolutely. Uh, good for you. I don't know so, if I can do it. Especially yeah. when they had the whole body. The whole body mm -hmm. and then the legs coming out. And then their long mm -hmm. legs. Right. Uh, and I it wasn't the whole it. body. We ordered a pound, a pound, because I didn't know how much or whatever the case. And the pound is not that much, to be honest with you. Um, but it, it was a, it was a big, uh, it was a big thing for me. It really was. Like I'm like these people, they crazy. They all on social media talking about crab legs and no, no. And but then yeah, I, don't I, I tried it either. and I'm glad I did. Yeah. I don't do shrimp. Do you? Yeah, I do shrimp. I do shrimp. Yes, I do shrimp. And they had some big jumbo shrimps and it was really delicious. Yes. And you know, I networked. <laughs> I know you did. I know you did. <laughs> but no, no. So and I, I enjoyed that with my girls. Do you do crawfish? No, I don't do crawfish. No, I don't See, do that's crawfish. too much right there. Yeah, I don't do the crawfish. Then they, I think they got the little, little, little bitty legs, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, they know the little. The whole body is little. Yes, it's and a body. You get a little piece of meat out. Mm -mm, it's too much right. work. Right, and that's what I was saying. And you know, you got to work to get to it. And I'm my thing is, I want to get down to the nitty gritty and get it. But she was working it. She was working it, going, 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 and then pull it out. Here, my here, mama. I said, okay. But it's it's not, it's, a, it's a it's a good taste. It is with the garlic. I think it's sauce because I'm a sauce girl, so I can dip. If I have that dip, I, I'm good. Honey mustard, ranch, something zesty, and and it was awesome. It was. I I enjoyed that. I really did. Yeah. You and here's the thing. Try something new. If you don't do the crab, the snow crab, they got king crab. I can make. I can imagine how big that is. But if you don't try it, I mean, try something new. That was the that was the whole purpose. Go somewhere new. Don't go to the same spots. And, and plus, we haven't been out anyway, right? We haven't, you know, we haven't been out because of social dist distancing. And so that was just an opportunity for us to get out and just like a girl date. Yes. And so just looking at them and working it and miracle, you know, miracle. <laughs> All over the place. Oh my Bless goodness! Was Miracle eating them? Well, she told me, <laughs> "Mom, I had crab before." <laughs> so I said, "Okay, well, we're gonna try it today." So when I begin to show her the legs and the look, the what is it, the arms or whatever, she looked at that thing. Said, ah, I <laughs> had it before. <laughs> <laughs> she hilarious you know she's she's a character <laughs> you should have seen her face <laughs> yes indeed so it was amazing like I said it was a new thing to do and I'm excited that I, I can now I can say I tried it before, but I, you know, it won't be an ongoing thing like a habit or anything like that. But yes, 
yes. Well, I went on Friday and had my COVID-19 test. I had it because I've been coughing and, you know, I don't normally take the flu shot right. and I don't normally get the flu, but every now and then I get a cough and it's just like an uncontrollable cough, just like I'm coughing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't have any other symptoms. My nose is not stopped up. My chest is not congested, but it does sound, you know, mm-hmm. different. But I went ahead and I said, let me go ahead and have a test done. And I went ahead and had the test done. And I got the results back uh, fairly quickly. I had the test on mm-hmm. Friday and I got the, result, the results back today and I'm negative. Uh, COVID 19. So, praise the Lord for that. Uh, now I just have to get rid of this cough. So, I want to go ahead and give a disclosure out. Forgive me for coughing during the bro- uh, our broadcast and some strain on my voice. Absolutely. But, uh, but I'm excited okay. you uh, tried uh, a seafood, which brings us to our guest who we have on the show. I'm excited. Um, to bring on our guest, uh, Miss Abby Fish, and I can't wait to ask her about her last name. And then, mm-hmm. just because her last name, she right. up, <laughs> like to <Ms>. swim. <coughs> so, uh, we, um, I hope that she is still there, but we are getting ready to bring her on uh, the show. So, welcome to the show, Miss Abby. Welcome. Hello. Welcome. welcome. Thank you for having me. Wait just one minute. Let's play this other video. Welcome to Swim Like a Fish. I'm Abby Fish, creator and head coach. Swim Like a Fish was born to help swimmers all around the world get faster. Did you know that visual learners make up nearly 65% of our population and the majority of swim coaching feedback comes in predominantly from kinesthetic and auditorial ways? To me, that just didn't make sense. Shortly after retiring from swimming, I saw this disparity in coaching feedback firsthand. Less than 5% of my swimmers had actually seen their strokes on video, and my mission ever since has been to change that. The goal of Swim Like a Fish is to help anyone with an interest in swimming gain more knowledge and make better informed decisions through our online technique-based resources. From our stroke technique courses to our video and race analysis packages and our membership site called the School of Fish, Swim Like a Fish aims to be your number one resource for swim technique education. There's no more flying to clinics and giving up more of your weekends or spending the extra dollars in private lessons. Swim Like a Fish is here to help you get to the next level, all at the ease of your computer screen. I sincerely look forward to working with you and don't ever forget to swim like a fish. <laughs> the intensity of that music. I love that video. I've watched it. I don't even know how many times. <laughs> welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate welcome. it. Welcome. So glad to have you. <laughs> now, first of all, for me, how is it that your last name is Fish 
and you love water. Just thought I was. I don't know if you can consider it destiny, uh, like by acts of God, or just like purely ironic, but it's probably a combination of all of those things, and it right. it's just happened to work out for me. Right. <coughs> so, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about yourself, and how you got into swimming. Yeah. So, um, I grew up the youngest of three kids. Um, my brother was in the middle and he was basically my idol for the majority of my childhood years. And so everything that my brother did, uh, there's a little Abby not too far behind in a shadow that just wanted to do and emulate what he was doing. So he started swimming. Um, he's four years older than me at the age of eight. And I was four. And when my mom was dropping him off at practice, I kept telling her, well, if Adam gets to swim. I should be able to swim. And, you know, I think any mother thinking that their four-year-old has some sort of knowledge or best interest for themselves um, is a little bit skeptical, but she did let me make the choice. So I ended up uh, trying out swimming when I was four. I quit (laughs) the day that I tried out because I didn't like it and I thought it was too hard. Um, And I restarted when I was five years old. And pretty much ever since then, I have been either swimming, coaching, or owning my own business. Uh, And it's been a crazy, wild, super fun ride. Wow. Awesome, awesome. Now, did you go to school? Did you go to college for swimming as far as getting a scholarship or anything like that? Yeah, so I swam at the University of Georgia on scholarship. Um, I was kind of recruited by a lot of schools. Uh, I didn't really know, like my sister swam in college, so I knew college swimming existed. Um, when I was younger, but I didn't know that that was what I I was going to do per se. Uh, really, until I got to high school, I made the decision to like thoroughly just pursue swimming because I played a lot of other sports growing up along with swimming as a kid. Um, and that kind of became more of a reality. Uh, so I was very blessed to swim um, at UGA. I'm a big uh, Georgia Bulldogs fan. Um, and yeah, some of my best friends and family have come from uh, the sport and from the team there. Wow. So how does, um, cause I've never heard anyone getting a scholarship to go to college for swimming. So how does that work as far as the recruiting, you know, is, and do they give you full rise or, you know, enough for one year? How does that all work? Yeah. So, I mean, recruiting has actually changed a little bit in the rules since like I was recruited. Um, so they recruit earlier, a full year earlier. Um, but when I was recruited, I was recruited at the end of like my junior year going into my senior year, whereas now they do it sophomore going into junior year. Um, but yeah, I mean, swimming's a little bit different because the team is not as large as per se, like a football team or even a basketball team um, that, there's not as much money given to swim teams because they're not as much of a money maker comparatively to like the larger sports that people would you know much prefer to go to a football game than they would necessarily to go to a swim meet. Um, but yeah, so in order to get um, people to school, they'll kind of do what they can when it comes to finances. Uh, if you're at a bigger name school and you're pretty fast, you'll get offered full <laughs> rides that's still available. But a lot of times it's like percentages. You'll get like, you know, 40% from swimming, 20% from academic, and then maybe 10% is like you're in state or something like that um, helps you to kind of like piecemeal money. So that way not all of it is coming out of the small amount of allotted scholarships uh, for specific swim teams. <coughs> Excuse me. So, um, 
So did you inspire to do um, go greater than college as far as into the Olympics or is there a professional um, right. swimming league, you know, like professional mm -hmm. basketball? Is there a professional for swimming? Not really. They're trying. Um, they've tried a new thing called the International Swim League and literally this past year was its first season. Um, but when I stopped swimming, you were kind of in this like weird gray area where like you were considered a postgraduate and a lot of people would still train with their college teams or maybe they would go back to like their high school club team. Um, or there was like some coaches that are like high end Olympic coaches that are well known that if they knew you from like national teams or different meets, they would invite you to like come train with them. But with that, there wasn't a lot of money in regards to like the ability to live and train to swim. So they're like trying to change that now. I mean, I, I stopped swimming at the age of 25 and I'm 30. So I've been out for five years. And within those five years, there's actually the ability to make a decent living and still train uh, and not have to worry about doing like a two job kind of scenario. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as when you look like professional basketball players or professional mm -hmm. football players and how much money they make compared to a professional swimmer, it's like there and here. So there's a, quite a large disparity. Um, but yeah, I post-grad trained for a while. I, I obviously graduated at 22 and then I trained and started coaching until 25. Um, and I was training it at Georgia and it was really hard to walk away. I, I tried out for the Olympics twice. And I think when you're eager, it doesn't really matter like what sport and you never quite get to the level that you always aspired to. It's hard to make the decision to say like, I'm ready for something else because you still really want that, even though maybe your life is kind of shifting in another direction. Um, so yeah, for me, I was like coaching and swimming at the same time. And then eventually it was like, okay, we're at a crossroads. What makes the most sense to do? Um, and it was like, well, I really like coaching. And that's just kind of what I followed. Wow. Yeah, good. Well, let me go ahead and give you a disclaimer. I don't know how to swim. <laughs> And I'm actually scared of the water. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it came from a young age. I, I remember growing up and someone that used to go to my church, you know, um, he ended up drowning. I think it was like two people that I knew who mm -hmm. drowned. And so from just knowing they drowned and, mm -hmm. and just the fact this body of water, you know, have the capability of doing that. I was just like, I'm staying away from the water other than the bathtub. Yeah. And my yeah. husband tries, even right now, just to put my legs in the water, it takes a lot just to put my legs in the water. Mm -hmm. And so he tries to get me in the swimming pool. So can you tell me what can I do to get me over there <laughs> swimming? Yes, wow. yes. Well, I, I would like to say, too, that you're not alone in the fact that there's a lot of people in the U.S. that don't know how to swim, which is pretty crazy because you think about, like, the world in general. We have a ton of bodies of water. So if you have all these people that live in the world and, you know, a very small percentage of them are actually water safe, you're going to end up with scenarios like you mentioned with your friend who has had either kids drown or kids having really traumatic experiences with water at a young age that they just want absolutely nothing to do with it. Um, but having confidence in yourself and then confidence in your children that if you're you know, at the ocean or you're even in a deep pool or you're at a lake, that they can 
get to a place where they can survive is really important. Um, and I feel like I'm just as much of an advocate for water safety as much as I am an advocate for competitive swimming, because I think swimming is a great sport to have because it makes you water safe. It's also the only sport that has a hundred and year older age group. So you can swim like through the majority of your life, which most other sports, you know, your knees may give out or hips may not be able to handle it, et cetera. Um, that I think it's just kind of like a lifelong process. And uh, that's part of the reasons why I love it. Um, but yeah, at the same time, kind of with what you were saying, uh, it's really important with swimming to like relinquish control. And I think as humans, a lot of us struggle with not being able to get into the water and tell the water what to do. Like the water is going to do what it's going to do. And we have to learn to adapt to it versus a lot of our other environments, like even me setting up for this podcast, like I went into a room because it was quiet and I put my you know, computer here and I'm controlling that situation as much as possible. Um, so it flips that scenario. Uh, so if you're not super relaxed, which it sounds like water makes you very anxious and maybe a little stressed, your heart rate's going to spike. And with that, if you are releasing a lot of air, your body's going to become less buoyant and you're going to sink down versus if you're relaxed then you can take big deep breaths and you can even hold your breath while laying on the water. Uh, you're going to be way more buoyant and you're going to sit up at the top and you're going to enjoy your experience a lot more than the opposite. Um, <laughs> if the opposite is happening. So yeah, using flotation devices is really helpful at the beginning. If you have something you can kind of put your body weight on and have a little bit of control. And that is a great way to start like, morphing your body off versus like some people like take babies and they just chuck them into the pool and i'm not a huge proponent of that i think that's very traumatic but kids will learn to adapt in those scenarios as well then that's what a good question i mean i'm glad you brought that up mr i mean mrs fish i'm sorry i'm glad you brought that up because i wanted to know what was the earliest you can learn how to swim so they, they say with like babies and infants, you can get them into like a general, like just like water babies kind of class as early as like 18 months. Um, the water obviously, you know, is chlorinated, so it doesn't carry any germs, but you wouldn't want to take, you know, a young infant who's still growing into a situation if their immune system is having any sort of, you know, compromise, right. whatever. Um, but yeah, 18 months is normally like a good sign. So a year and a half and then they can start learning like how to float and blow bubbles and just kind of the specifics of like, if my kid were to fall off a boat and I couldn't get to them for five seconds, could they flip over on their back to be able to breathe and survive until either a buoy was thrown to them or someone else got into them? Um, that's kind of what the, the little, little ones do until like four or five and then you can learn some strokes and then like six or so is kind of like club swimming or summer league swimming will go up from there and you can get, right. you know, start climbing the ladder and in, in like a competitive swimming specific experience. Yeah. That's amazing because I, I believe I started swimming. I had to been six or seven. Mm -hmm. I had to be, and it was just normal. Yeah. You know, it wasn't, you know, I wasn't it just, and you know what? It was in the midst of just having fun. Mm -hmm. Right. Just re like you said earlier, you're relaxed. Yeah. You know, and, and you're, you're just thinking about going swimming because, you know, when we're young, we want to go swimming. I, me I remember the YMCA. So mm. that was something that our parents took us to all the time during the summer camps. So 
Yeah, I'm, and it was just, it, but it was normal for me. Like, I would mm. love to jump off a building. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I know I used to jump off of something. But yeah. no, but it is a lot of people that are scared. And like you said, some people start the babies when they're young. And I seen it, and I thought mm. that was normal, too, to teach them. I didn't think that was a problem with throwing them into the pool. But a lot of people disagree, so. Yeah, I bet some of my best friends are like, oh, I learned how to swim like up the river with my dad. And I'm right. Like, it's... Okay, you know, that's cool. At least you learned how to swim, you know, mm-hmm. but there's very different, different ways depending on where you are. I, uh, I lived over in Australia three years ago. Um, and comparatively, Australia has a much obviously smaller population. It's a smaller continent compared to the, to, to the U.S., but they have the same amount of swimmers like numbers wise over there as we do here. And it's like, well, why is that? And most like of the larger cities are on the coasts of Australia. Um, So most people learn, like they learn to surf, they learn to swim, they learn how to do other things that would help them get into competitive swimming. Whereas, you know, most of North America is not on a coast. So unless you go to somewhere where you can swim, you know, it might be really normal for you, but then it's like really abnormal for someone else because they're like, we never went to a pool. We didn't do that. I think I put too much thought into it because mm-hmm. I just think about the size of my body mm-hmm. and in this water and my body is big. And so I automatically go down. I'm like, how in the world could I float? Mm-hmm. With, I just... I try to imagine it, and I'm like, okay, this 200 and some pounds, how mm. can I float on the water? And so I can't even imagine it. So therefore, I don't even allow my mind to even try it. Yeah. Well, the interesting part about like how your body composition does work in water is it's like very opposite to what you would think. Like running would be a lot harder if you're if you just weigh more in general, but swimming, you actually become more buoyant. So it just like depends on your, your composition of your body, because if you put a muscle in water, like a pure dense muscle, it sinks to the bottom like a rock. But if you put like a piece of like fat on the water, it floats up. So it's, it's buoyant. That's the, that's the best way to put it. Fish. That's the best way to put it. It was a nice political answer. Yes. There you go. Absolutely. So could I possibly, if I learn how to swim, would that help me lose weight? Because that might be the kicker right there. <laughs> yes. Well, yes. Swimming is like one of the best sports because it does work your whole body at one time. Whereas like running, yeah, you're moving your arms, but you're working your legs more than you are working your arms. Um, same with like, you know, volleyball or even soccer, like you're predominantly using more of like the bottom half or a little bit of the upper half. So you get a full body workout uh, and you'll get really winded in swimming as well because you don't get to breathe when you want. Whereas like other sports, you can breathe whenever you want. Um, So I feel like you get the biggest bang for your buck. Like 30 minutes of swimming will feel a lot different than even sometimes like an hour or two hours of some other activity just because of those two two main factors. Really? Mm -hmm. Wow. So would just would just me playing in the water be sort of equivalent to me swimming or do I actually need to actually take the whole strokes and swim and flap my legs in order to get the complete 
benefit because you know I, I've heard of water aerobics. Yeah, for doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, which one do you think would help? Yeah, actually, so I used to live in the Florida Keys um, before I moved home. I now live in Kentucky. Uh, and I used to teach water aerobics. It was never something <laughs> I like actively sought out, but it was just like the a combination of events like led me to this um, situation, and it was great. And I have so much more respect for that like activity, fitness activity, sport, whatever you want to call it, um, than I did before. Uh, and so, yeah, there is a lot of benefit of just moving a water. You can even just run in shallow water that you would get some of the same benefits is just like lap swimming um, because the reason is water is more dense than air. So if you're in the water, you're in a resistant environment. So when you're doing anything, whether it just be literally moving your arms back and forth, forth, forth like this to move them through the water, you have to move the water around. So you're actually like, think of it kind of like a, you're in the weight room and you're moving weight the same thing is happening when you're in the water. So anytime you're doing something in a pool, you have to work a little bit harder than if you were trying to mimic that exact activity, but on land. Wow. Yeah. If, you know, I, think, Kim, I think it's the best sport out there. I'll, right. <laughs> I want to be pro swimming all day. <laughs> and Miss Karen, I, here's the thing. I believe if you just focus on having fun first, just have fun you know get you a float or something you and your husband and just chill in the water like go start with the three feet <laughs> yes <laughs> she said that's all <laughs> yeah, yeah just have fun just have fun first and then go into trying to learn absolutely mm-hmm. i believe that'll help out a lot because that's what we started it was just about having fun now mm-hmm. going into the technique is probably a different you know, it may be totally different. And that's what you're, that's what you are uh, a coach in, right? Stroke technique. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. tell us a little bit about that. How did, you know, how do you teach that, that stroke technique? Yeah. So I feel like I always tell people for like the easiness of my job, if I was just talking to someone that maybe didn't know much about swimming or we just met for the easiness of the conversation, I'd be like, oh, I'm just, I'm a swim coach. And then people are like, oh, okay. Um, but the reality is, is I do a very specific type of coaching. Um, so I look at more of like the biomechanics, which is just how your body moves within the water. And I give people specific feedback based off of, you know, their anatomy. So like Miss Karen was talking about her anatomy and like how your body would fit in the water is different than how my body would fit in the water and also everybody else who's watching this podcast. So you can't really give the same advice to someone who's five foot four versus someone who's six foot four um, in swimming because the water plays such a factor with manipulating and making it harder for us to move efficiently. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I do that um, through a lot of video analysis as you guys saw on that um, kind of intro video there. Uh, so I do a lot of filming of strokes. Uh, and I also do some coaching um, that's like one-on-one specific coaching of working with a swimmer and doing different drills and things to kind of get them to get on, if they're on a certain path and that's kind of where they're going, kind of bumping them over to another path, um, depending on if they've been swimming for years or maybe they're a kid that's 12 and their body at 12 changes significantly 
to something when they're 13 and we just need to kind of get them back on a better path or in a better trajectory um, just because, you know, their legs grew an inch or, or whatever it was from the year before. That's good. Uh, so another thing I was thinking about my grandbaby, she's mm -hmm. eight and she loves to swim, but she's gotten on the chubby side. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get her into lap swimming, learn her teach. She, she says she knows how to swim, but she never mm -hmm. went to actual classes to teach her how to swim. So mm -hmm. would you say that even though our kids say, oh, mommy, mommy, I know how to swim, we should still um, enroll them into actual classes to learn, properly learn how to swim. Yeah, I think it's always best to have um, A, an instructor that's instructed and is taught like, so there's a lot of swim schools out there now where you can go and get swimming lessons for your kids. Um, like a couple of them that come off the top of my mind is like, there's like Safe Splash, there's like Bear Paw, um, but they're all little franchises and they're in most major cities. Um, and they all teach their instructors a curriculum that helps kids build through just certain levels to make sure that they are hitting the fundamental pieces uh, of you know general water safety to being able to swim across a pool, to be able to swim long distances. Um, and I think that those scenarios um, are really good because it takes the parents out of the equation. Sometimes when you're a parent and you try to teach your kid, I mean, it doesn't need to be swimming anything. Uh, it puts you in like dual roles, which is harder for the kid to understand kind of how to treat you in that scenario. Um, so if you sign up for swim lessons, then you're not essentially part of that. But then at the same time, you're also ensuring that your kid is learning like all the correct steps um, to swim efficiently, uh, which is, as we've talked about, like, you know, it's pretty important. So I'm, I'm a big proponent of getting swim lessons from either a swim school or a swim instructor that's well respected uh, and knows, knows what they're doing to make sure that your, your kids are safe. Okay, so um, what are the common injuries that um, swimmers uh, run into and then how do you avoid those injuries? Yeah, so competitive swimmers um, from a repetitive, like overuse perspective, uh, deal with most injuries like that. Uh, swimming itself is actually because you're horizontal and you're laying in the water, the gravitational force is not as heavy on the body. So when you're talking about like running and just like the pounding on your, your feet and your knees and your ankles, um, it can get pretty intense. You don't deal with that with swimming as much because uh, that force is not as, as great in the water. But at the same time, you're like swinging your arms around in a circle over and over and over again, and you're kicking back and forth over and over and over again that a lot of times swimmers deal with injuries to the shoulder from overuse. You'll have injuries to maybe the hips or the knees. Um, but the most common one is definitely just using your shoulder joint too much uh, and needing to kind of change something for a little bit or strengthen something else. So that way your shoulders are better set up to be able to take the stress that you're putting on them. Oh, wow. I know, right. oh, <laughs> okay. What about, uh, aside from the physical performance, you believe in, in personal growth. So mm -hmm. tell us about what's, why that's important. Yeah. So um, for me, I think like, with being a coach, and I've had, you know, a lot of coaches within my swimming career now, and I've swam for like, 
some of the best coaches in the world. And I've been able to kind of like pick bits and pieces of people and, you know, like kind of look at them into how I want to reflect myself now. And one of the biggest pieces of advice is a pieces of advice that I got way early in my career was like the day you become not a good coach or you become stagnant is the day that you refuse to continue to learn. And so for me, I think it took me a while, uh, especially when I started coaching and I was in like my early 20s to kind of understand what that meant. Because as you're, you know, a kid going through school, you're always kind of forced to learn. And there's the next grade that you go into and you're just going through this whole like system. But once you step out of college, your life is what you make it. And so it's like you could spend your time reading books, you could spend your time playing video games, like you really can decide who and how you want to be. Um, and so for me, probably the last like decade of my life, transitioning from being a swimmer to being a coach, and then understanding like how I want to reflect and be respected to my community and people around me is something that I take very seriously. Um, and I've realized it's not something that is easy and it requires a lot of hard work. Uh, and so I, um, you know, I hold myself accountable, whether it's from a physical perspective, perspective, a mental perspective, um, healthy relationship perspective. Uh, I just have to constantly make sure that I am continuing to push myself uh, because that's how I want. That's what I want my swimmers to do. So I feel like I need to do the same thing. And that is that why you created um, Swim Like a Fish? <laughs> yeah. So the, the name That's obviously is a, <laughs> a pun off of my last name. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I, so I've worked under awesome coaches. I've coached as an assistant coach for a bunch of people. And then I was a, basically a partner in another sports performance company before I started my own. And I realized at the last job that it was like, okay, I have all the pieces of the puzzle here, but now it's time for me to like steer my own ship. And it was just that, like, that kind of like tug where I was like, okay, if you're going to do this, like it's time. And it's, it's super scary owning your own business and like putting yourself out there and taking that big risk. Um, but I think about my job and I love it. So there's nothing else I'd rather do. Right. A lot of network marketing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. I feel like I'm on social media a lot. I'm mm -hmm. on, you know, my website a lot. I'm connecting with you guys. Like I'm just trying to constantly like push that ceiling a little bit higher to see how big and how bad can we can we make this essentially. Yeah. yeah. So tell us about what you know. What do you do at at your program, your brand? What exactly do a person get? What do you offer uh, with your company? Yeah, so Swim Like a Fish is basically like an online resource for swimmers and coaches. Um, and my goal is to help anyone who wants to learn more about swimming, specifically within that stroke technique realm that we talked about, um, learn more about it. So seeing me as a resource to whether it be read a blog, watch a quick video, uh, listen to a podcast, um, learn something else about the sport of swimming. So within Swim Like a Fish, you can actually be virtually coached by me. Um, you can sign up for a membership site where you can learn, learn more about some of the content and things that I put out or how I would coach you theoretically if we're not actually being coached together. Um, and there's also some like 
one-on-one -on -one packages and different courses and things that you can do as well, depending on like where you're at in your swimming journey, what you can do at the current moment, um, and what would be honestly the best choice for you, depending on uh, all of those things and what your needs are. So you could teach me virtually mm -hmm. how to swim? <laughs> that yep. Would be yeah, isn't that crazy? Yes, that is. Mm -hmm. And you know, actually in my neighborhood, we do have a swimming pool in my neighborhood, but mm -hmm. since COVID-19, they haven't opened it up. And I haven't I haven't checked to see if any wrecks are open. So how is COVID-19 uh, affecting your uh, business right now? Yeah, so I, uh, I part-time coach for a local club team in person in Louisville. Uh, it's great. I have a great setup. It's called Triton Swimming. Um, but it allows me to stay fresh as a coach. So I work with swimmers in person every single day, uh, along with, you know, running my business. And um, so within those two facets, COVID shut down the team orientation uh, for, I think we were shut down for like two and a half months. Uh, but we just got back in the water with those kids about three weeks or four weeks or so ago. Um, and then for the online realm, as far as like what I was doing with Swim Like a Fish, COVID actually really helped the business. So I kind of had one side of my life that wasn't doing too great. And then another side of my life that was booming because so many people were sitting at home with not much to do, absorbing content and content and more content. So I didn't expect during quarantine to work a lot, um, but I walked away from quarantine working more than I do like not in quarantine. That's so, awesome. Yeah, yes, it was awesome. awesome. It was also nuts. So I was like, okay, <laughs> I need a vacation for my quarantine. <laughs> this is crazy. Right. So, so real quick. So the water, you know, do you mm -hmm. have to make sure that the, the kids are six feet away or it's okay? You know? Yeah, water. we, yeah, mm -hmm. we have all these guidelines um, where it's like, you, ha you have to social distance the kids. So they have to stay six feet apart. Um, and right now we are swimming them on opposite ends of the pool. So one kid will start there in one lane and then another kid will start in the next lane over, but on the opposite side. And so they kind of like piggyback down the pool in a zigzag fashion. Um, and then we have to wear masks as coaches, which is honestly like the hardest thing because you cannot project your voice well through a mask. Um, so yeah, it's been a weird adaptation to the time, but I can't complain like at all because I have a bunch of coaching friends who haven't been able to even get in the water. I mean, some places in California haven't even opened up and there's places in Europe that are still fully closed down. So I feel very blessed that we have the opportunity Amen. to get our kids into the pool. But uh, yeah, it's just with the times, everything's been weird as, as you guys know that you just kind of have to adapt. Otherwise, mm -hmm. you know, you're going to, essentially stay behind or stay stagnant mm -hmm. right the new right. normal yeah new it's normal. weird mm -hmm. it really is now yeah. i would think that the swimming with the chloride in the water i would think that maybe it would kill the virus <laughs> <laughs> yeah it does actually and that's one of the main uh arguments most facilities mm -hmm. have had on either to governors or the you know the state governments or whatever um to say that hey you know it doesn't live in water, which is true. They've tested COVID-19 through chlorinated water okay. and it's been um, proven that it doesn't live there. The problem is, is you have all these kids like 
breathing really heavy. So that's why they're still separated because if I was in a lane with six other kids, like attached in like a five foot wall space, you'd have them all breathing. And that's really where you would exchange it versus Mm. if they spit into the water and someone per se, like gets it in their ear or something, you're not going to get COVID that way. Well, I would think that if they got in the water, it killed it. So while you're in the water, between you getting out the water and going home, it's dead. So it ain't like it comes back alive when you come out the water. Yeah, I mean, that would be a pretty crazy virus. But I think one of the main things is, is I don't think they know a whole lot. Like there's a lot of theories on this virus of like, you can't get it from like, you know, surfaces that aren't alive and it doesn't live on wood and all these things. But then you read another article and it's like, yeah, it does. So yeah. I don't know. It's, wash your hand. Wash your hand. Wash your hands. Wear a You're in water. Come on. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that, that, yeah. And maybe that's why they're having a problem with a lot of people in Florida that are staying in the water. They're constantly mm. going to the beach. Mm. But that's not chloride water. That's seawater. But still, yeah. you're staying in the water. You said wash. When you go home, take off your clothes and wash your clothes. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's also a ton of people on a beach too. And it's just like, I don't know, you have to control. I feel like it's more of the crowds. Like you have to control however many people are there um, because you can have the flu and go to a pool and give someone the flu. It's kind of the same thing. If you go to the pool and you have COVID, you would give someone COVID. So, uh, you know, it's just the exchange of germs and yeah, you get the exchange of germs. And if you sneeze on someone versus if you sneeze into the water, it wouldn't necessarily transfer to someone else. It is crazy. It really Mm -hmm. is. So what else do you do besides swimming? (laughs) Um, Well, I mean, I think a lot of things. Uh, I own a hairless cat, which is really exciting. (laughs) A what? A hairless cat. A hairless cat. Oh, cat. Oh, yeah. the one that you can just see the skin. Yep. Oh, she's, she le- she's learning how to swim. She doesn't like it, but she has a life jacket and she's learning. <laughs> Did you teach the cat how to swim? I have. Yeah, she's been swimming in the bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there's that. Uh, I also, I'm pretty physically active myself. I like to go outside. I like to hike. I belong to a CrossFit gym. Um, Pre-COVID, I actually travel a lot. I travel a lot for my job uh, with Swim Like a Fish. So I'll go and conduct clinics or go coach someone for a weekend or go out and do a speaking convention somewhere on something specific with swimming. Uh, And that's definitely, it hasn't happened since February. So I've been at home, which is really abnormal, but a lot of times I'm only home for like a week or two per month mm-hmm. and I'm normally on the road, on the road a lot. So uh, my life has changed a good bit with COVID, but mm-hmm. um, it's been a nice change. I've definitely, I moved from Florida to Kentucky a year ago, so I didn't really have a whole lot of a network there, but with COVID I've made a lot more friends and just kind of like rooted myself a little bit more than where I was at a year ago. Have you uh, met, what's his name, Michael Phelps? <laughs> yes, I know Michael. Um, <laughs> yes, I do, I do. Uh, Swimming World is really small. And so that's the one thing, one of the things I really love about it, and I loved about it even when I was just swimming, not coaching, is the community is very close-knit. Um, and if I'm traveling or I'm on the road, so I'm you know, going to Virginia or Florida or anywhere, 
I'll just look at my phone and be like, okay, who do I know that lives here and reach out to them and we'll either grab lunch or we'll grab dinner or something. Um, and even if you meet a swimmer, then you're like, oh, do you know so-and-so, and you know, this person, and what about this person? And it just, it's such an easy connection with anybody um, that I adore that. And when I was over in Australia, I actually met a few families that hosted me just through the fact that they knew I was in Australia and they reached out and they're like, hey, we're a swimming family. Do you want to like stay with us or do you need any help or do you want to, you know, X, Y, and Z? And I'm, you know, that, that kind of trust is not necessarily always there in the world. Um, but in the swimming community, it's, it's very, it's very real. Yeah. Oh, so I great. remember you, right. That's awesome. Right. Mm-hmm. But that's yeah, great. You, you, you mentioned uh, the Olympics. So mm-hmm. you, did you try, you know, try it out a couple times and you mm-hmm. know, what happened with that? Yeah, so I tried out once when I was in high school, um, at the very end of high school, and then I tried out again when I was at the end of college. Um, my first tryout was better than my second tryout, um, but when I look back on it, my first tryout, I was also really young, and I wasn't really sure like what to expect because I hadn't swam in like the big scene for very long. Um, and then by the second time, I was in that phase where I was telling you guys like I wasn't sure if I should hang up the suit or I should continue. Um, so I was kind of just in like a weird headspace, uh, that my results of the second one weren't as good as my first. Um, but it was a great experience. And for the longest time, I really struggled with like not making the team. Um, I swam with a bunch of people at Georgia that did make the team. And that's actually one of my best friends is one of Michael Phelps's best friends, which is how mm-hmm. I know Michael. So it's like, you know, some of my friends made it and then I really wanted to make it. And then you have that conversation with yourself of like, well, why didn't I kind of thing? Um, and that was really hard for me for a long time to figure out like, you know, the perfect play of events kind of has to happen to make the Olympic team. Um, because there's one meet, it's called Olympic trials. It happens every four years. Uh, the one for 2020 was supposed to happen this year in June, but it got canceled because the Olympics got postponed. Um, and at that meet, you swim an event, whatever your race is, three different times. And each time they take less people back. So they take top 16 the first time, and they take, uh, they take top 24, and they take top 16, and they take top eight. And so by the third time you swim that race, they only take the two people that win the race to the actual Olympic Games. So 52 wow. people make it on the team. And normally there's over 2,000 people at that meet. So it's a, it's a pretty slim pickings of people. And then you talk about swimming the same race three times in a row, like mentally that is like, just, it's a lot. Right. And so what did you learn in going into that, that challenge, you know, even Mm -hmm. though you wasn't able to, you wasn't picked, what did you learn out of that? Yeah, well, I think the name of the game is like consistency. Um, And I think being able to show up and perform is a big deal, not just like with swimming, but with life. Like if you're not feeling great that day, like your emotions can kind of waver and, you know, your brain can somewhat play tricks on you, but your body can perform. So I think being able to show up with as much of a positive attitude as possible, no matter what your your circumstances are and give yourself like that, that best chance to be successful on a consistent basis um, is really kind of like the name of the game in life. Uh, I didn't get that when I was younger. I was more of like a dark horse. Uh, My first Olympic trials, 
So it was kind of like, if I got that, it had been like the stars were shining and, you know, like I saw a shooting star kind of thing. And then by the second time I understood that I needed to be super consistent through those three, but I had a lot of self, self, self doubt in the back of my brain telling me like, I'm not sure you're going to make this. Like, I'm not sure you're ready for this. I'm not sure you really want this. Um, and that was really hard. So a lot of the personal growth and stuff that I've done post my swimming career is learning how to like channel that negative self-talk that everybody has um, into either being positive or how to work with it because it doesn't ever go away uh, That's it. to be like a positive um, part of my life versus a That's deterrent. It. That's it. That's yeah. good. Mm-hmm. It's been really hard. I go to therapy. Like I read a bunch of books on stuff. Like I look at my patterns. I've looked at my childhood. I look at my tendencies. And I think you really have to be very raw with yourself, like in the mirror to say that like, these are my biggest issues and these are my patterns and how in order to break them, I have to be honest about them. Wow. You talk. So you, you think, um, you know, we talk a lot about uh, depression and mental mm-hmm. illness in mm-hmm. sports. Uh, is that something that's um, high in swimming, in swimmers, in that mm-hmm. whole sports? As far as you, you just said you had over two thousand, and you only took two or fifty-two. I mean, that's almost like the draft, NF draft. You have all those people, and mm-hmm. you know you could only. You only take so many. Yeah. Yeah. And Michael, actually, he's a big proponent. So one of my best friends, her name is Allison Schmidt. She's still swimming, hoping to qualify. I think this is her fifth Olympic Games. Um, But she made the Olympic team going into UGA and we were roommates our freshman year. She's best friends with Michael and they are very huge proponents. And also they have huge platforms within the swimming world to talk about mental health. and kind of the factor of you have all these swimmers that are hoping for one goal and their identity is completely wrapped up in the sport. And if you don't hit that goal, your value then becomes like zero. And how do you deal with that? Um, so for me, when I was in college, I was riding pretty high when I got in there and then slowly but surely that voice in my head got louder and louder and louder that I look back at my college career now and I know that I was depressed, but at the time I had no clue. Um, So just having the knowledge of even mental health and the fact that that um, exists was something I didn't and wasn't aware of. Uh, And I felt very um, like not strong if I voiced that I was having like issues of insecurity and Maybe I didn't feel confident. Like that was, you know, it's like kind of pick your head up, get your suit on, let's go. Like just forget mm-hmm. that it's there. And I couldn't mm-hmm. do that. So um, yeah, depression and swimming and with your head in water, talking to yourself a lot more than other people mm-hmm. uh, can harbor um, some some issues in that for sure. That's good. That is so good. And I, I thank you for being so transparent. Right, right. That's kind of like one of our things right now is Absolutely. the whole, the importance of sharing your story, sharing the yes. struggle so mm. parents could make an informed decision and they could be more aware that, okay, when they see certain things happen with their kids, to mm-hmm. check this area, check, mm-hmm. you know, their mood or, you know, just check everything around them so they can 
be aware that it's okay to go get help mm-hmm. if someone is struggling with depression. So mm-hmm. Sometimes we kind of avoid that or we kind of look at like that costs too much. Mm-hmm. My insurance don't cover it. So I can't go, you know, I can't go there. Mm-hmm. But in sports is really, really high. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's why we love having people on share that story and letting people know that is something that you may deal with, especially when your life is wrapped up in sports. And mm-hmm. most of the time, that's what it is with kids are in sports. They've been doing it all their lives. Mm-hmm. And that's their only identity. You know, I always talk about I didn't show my child, my son, another part, something else he liked to do. All mm-hmm. I showed him was football. I didn't mm-hmm. show him music. I didn't show him drawing or anything mm-hmm. else he liked to do. And so it took him a while once he stopped playing football on what him figuring out what what else do I like to do, Mom? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know because I didn't expose you to anything else. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, no, I think it's I think that's great that you guys are even giving awareness for parents. And I would say that I'm as a coach now, you know, trying to do things differently with my kids than maybe were done differently with me. So if, you know, there's a kid talking to me and they say that they're depressed or they're this, that, and the other, I'm like, you need to see hold a therapist. Up. You need yeah, to, you up. need to tackle this now. Let's go. Yes. Like, Let's go. Yeah. And there's free, I mean, there's free online therapy. Like you just right. have to, you have to look for it. You have to know that it exists and, and go for it and know that it's okay to like go to something like that. So I am like, anyone who knows me knows that I talk a lot about going to therapy and how that's really changed my life from how I ended my swimming career to getting to where I am now. I don't think if I would have made the Olympic team, I would be sitting here talking to you about my company called swim like a fish. And I think that that's pretty nuts if you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's good though. But you, some, there was something greater calling you and Mm -hmm. that is you being able to teach other kids about swimming and the fact that your last name is starts with a fish. Yep. <laughs> it was perfect. <laughs> yep. Swim like right. a fish. Yep. That's awesome. So tell everybody how they can reach out to you, how they can get in touch with you in mm-hmm. case uh I can uh reach out and say, okay, what's my first lesson? Do I need to practice with my hand doing my hands <laughs> like this? What do I need to do? The very, first, the very first thing you need to do is you need to go in water where you feel completely safe with your feet on the ground so you feel totally confident and you just need to dip your head under the water to about here and blow some bubbles out of your mouth and then stand That's right it. back up. That's it. Blow bubbles? Wait. Yep. going to go in my mouth? You're going to blow air out. So you're going to do that while you're under the water. So don't let anything go in your nose. You're just going to blow some water. Or okay. some air, which is going to create bubbles in the water. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You okay. can do that. I know you have. I, I have to okay. that you can do that. And what? I need to sh- send a video of you sh- me showing you how to <laughs> how do it. Yeah. Send a video of me showing 10 seconds of bubbles. Blow out for 10 seconds. Okay. My friend has a pool. Okay. So, I'll hold you to it. I'll be like, I haven't got that video yet. Right. Well, yeah. Miss Karen, remember the beginning of the show, we was talking about what I said. It's time to start something new. And this is your time to start something new. Blow them bubbles. Blow them okay. bubbles. Yeah, okay. There you go. <laughs> See, I, 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 the other thing is, you know, for us, our hair, you know, we have to wait to get our hair done. You know, we get mm-hmm. them done 
every mm-hmm. two weeks or whatever. It just takes so much. Yeah. So it's time for me to get my hair done this week. Mm-hmm. So I can go a day before it's time to get my hair done. And Perfect. I don't have to worry about the fact mm-hmm. it's going to get wet. But yeah. I can go in my friend's pool mm-hmm. and blow the bubbles. There you go. And if you're ever really concerned about it, you could always get a swim cap and you can cover your hair. So that way most of your hair stays dry when you're in the water. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm, gonna... ready for, I'm ready for this. I taught one of my best friends is a CrossFit coach at the gym that I go to. And he's from Southern Mississippi. And he came to me and he was like, you know what? I don't know how to swim. And he's like the biggest dude in the gym, like muscles on muscles on muscles. And I was like, He's like, no, my mom never taught me. He's like, I'm definitely afraid of getting in any water that's like beyond waist deep. And he was like, I want to do this one on one. And I I want to. He was like, I'm dead certain that I want to be able to enjoy the ocean. And I was like, okay. Like, I appreciate someone who's like dedicated. They say that they want to do it and then they're going to go after it. And we met and we did six weeks of lessons. And on his sixth week, he swam a full lap of the pool. And he's one of my best friends. So to me, just like watching the whole trajectory plus his dedication, I was filming him and I was crying as I was filming him because I was just like, I'm so proud of you. Like to get to this moment is huge. And he's 26 years old. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I'm 53. So mm-hmm. this right here is going to break history. I'm probably going to be inviting everybody that's in the 50 years old that don't know how to swim to come along with me and let's do the first step. And that's blowing bubbles in the pool. Yep. There you go. There you go. Step one. That's that's, that's what we're going to do. And then I'll yeah. be like, okay, Abby, what's the next step? <laughs> I'll bring, there we go. The, I'll bring you on the live on my phone. And yep. you'll be like, okay, Karen, mm-hmm. what's the next step? <laughs> and then after I learn how to swim, you send me your bill. <laughs> Yes, but yes. If, if anyone wants to get in touch with me, I'm on all social media platforms. I'm on Instagram. My Instagram handle is at the t h e and then a fish one, uh, and then on Facebook it's at fish swim faster. Uh, so there's that. And if you ever want anyone, if anyone on here wants to email me, say they have any questions or they just want to find out more, uh, my email is Abby. I spell my name with an I E uh, at swimlikeafish.org. All right. Awesome. Yeah. Yay. Thank you, so much yeah. for coming on the show. I'm excited. Yeah. And I feel challenged. I feel right. like I want to try something new. Now, this would be big because my husband is always, he used to be a lifeguard. He was like, mm-hmm. come on. And I'd be like, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> so for yeah. him to know that I'm going to take the instruction of somebody else mm-hmm. over him, mm-hmm. like, really Karen, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> there you go. I'm ready. I'm ready for it. Perfect. Well, thank you guys very much. I really appreciate the opportunity and I appreciate both of you guys giving voices to, for parents and also for coaches. And even if you're a young kid watching this, there's a lot of uh, applicable audiences that can uh, watch your guys's podcasts and get some information out of it. So I really appreciate what you guys are doing as well. Thank, thank you. you so Fish. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, this is Karen. And this is Can We Talk Sports, and I'm here with my host, Kawashika. <laughs> and we'll see you guys Tuesday on Can We Talk Sports. Bye, Bye now. <laughs>